1: Just like that, the second hour is here. OutKick 360 across the OutKick network. Hunting Withrow with you. Armando Salguero from OutKick will be with us in 20 minutes. Bobby Carpenter in an hour, talking college football headlines and more. Looking forward to that. Chad, Aaron Rodgers has emerged from his darkness retreat. Glory, glory, hallelujah. He has seen the light. And based on the photos that I've seen uh, of said darkness retreat, it's not as bad as I would have thought. It's not like you're sitting in a tent with just a you know a, a blanket around you in total darkness as punishment or torture.
2: Yeah, I mean, he, he described it really well on I McAfee think what every- as uh, you're in a home, you're in a room. Like, I, I thought it was actually going to be bigger than 300 square feet that he had, but it has a bed, it has a mat, it has a bathroom, it yes. has an area for your food. Yes. And you can walk and get wherever you want. You have a chance to feel the room out for a while before they shut the lights off on you. You're not locked in. You can leave at any time. The door locks from the inside. Um, you know, I, the more I read about it, the more I'm like, I could do this. I would love this. I can make this happen. Yeah, you're
1: like, <laughs> I, spe- like, I don't have kids, but especially like uh, if you have kids, you want to just get away. This looks like the perfect room to do it. I that.
2: just think the hard thing to separate from and to think about is how slowly time would pass if you were in this state. If you're just in a room alone with your own thoughts with no sensory stimulation at all, no light, can't see anything in front of you, can't see in front of your own face, and you're just sitting there thinking, laying down for that long, if you're not asleep, I feel like time would just creep by. Maybe it goes faster than normal time. I I don't know, but I think it would just... That, that's what would be hard to separate is
1: how slowly time passes when you're doing this. So he went to Sky Cave, excuse me, Sky Cave, which is in Oregon. And the owner said that Rogers left the dark room in the facility on Wednesday. So it was early. He left early. He did not make it the full four days for the darkness retreat. But no word on his future as we await what's going to happen. He was hoping to emerge and say something. Uh, you think he announces it on McAfee? Um,
2: I don't think so. I don't think he's made a lot of big announcements. He's talked about things there, but I don't know that he's going to use that forum to make any announcement on his future. Probably joke about what it was like and talk about that, but not reveal anything to those guys. I was really hoping, Hutton, that he would just walk out to a bunch of cameras in a press conference. Yeah. Like microphones from every network were in front of him. <laughs> and he's, you know, rubbing his eyes and can't see the light and he's got a beard, and then he immediately announces his vision and what's next for him. That was my
1: hope. But, of course, he's going to wait a little while to say what he saw. So uh, Tom Pellicero, listening to him on on NFL Network, he says that Rodgers basically has veto power over any trade that Green Bay would want to make um, because he can just say, well, I've got my contract right now, and I could also just retire if he doesn't want to go to that spot. So this feels like a situation where Rodgers will determine, I think it's a similar spot to what we've seen from uh, previous trades, where you, you, or you're allowed to go out, chat with teams, and then you figure out who you want. Watson did this. Figure out who you want, and then the team gets compensation in return. Uh, Sean Payton did this too. He had to go visit Mickey Loomis in New Orleans to determine what the compensation would be. And then start going with the teams that he or start interviewing with the teams he wanted to interview with. So while he doesn't have a no trade clause in his contract, he can just say, hey, I'm I'll, I'd rather retire than be traded here. And then why would you trade for him if you're that organization?
2: Well, don't you get the sense? Just big picture here. Macro. Everyone that's not a Packers fan wants him to be with another team. That gives him a chance to win and I, win big somewhere so else? I do just because Brooke, who's sco- here, one of our producers, is a huge Packers fan. Right. She wants Rodgers back, I'm
1: guessing. And I, I would Cause want Because that. that's their
2: best chance to win and win big. But I'm saying if you're not a Packers fan, I think the common sports fan that just likes big stories and big things, I, I want to see him in the Big Apple. That's what I want. I want him to see him with the Jets or to see if Vegas. they can do something big. Or in Vegas. I'd much rather see him with the Jets. But, yeah, I mean, Vegas, too, would be – to me, that
1: would be better than going back to the Packers. Plus, Vegas is hosting the Super Bowl. So, you've got that storyline going, too. I, I, I want the change up in the storyline more than I want just him back and rinse and repeat. Because we've, we've done this process now, what, two years in a row? Going on three? The third offseason where his, his future is uncertain? If he, if he says, hey, I'd like to stay in Green Bay, let's work it out, Jordan Love is reportedly going to demand a trade at this point. And he should. Of course, he's wait he the, the time for quarterbacks to really cash in is the second contract. And his is a year away. So why would you not be like hey, trade me so I can at least go ahead and start the clock and actually try to do something with a second deal um, with the team that actually is going to play me or give me the opportunity to play in the very near future instead of Rogers continuing to kick the can down the road. Chad, the XFL ratings are in. They kicked off over the, the weekend. I'm not surprised that they're as low as they are. Not, not great. They did not surpass what the USFL did no, it was on half. Easter. It was, it was less than half of the audience of their biggest game. USFL uh, kicked off on Easter of last year. XFL kicks off a week after the Super Bowl. And while there was plenty of hype around this because of the ESPN machine, that uh, the PR machine that's, you know, it's on their network. They're going to talk about it. It was background noise at best. And I'll go back to any other league. they Any of these startup leagues, you've got to get to a point where you can have some recognizable quarterback play. And the storylines can't be, here is this failed quarterback, Paxton Lynch, in the season opener yet again, showing you why he can't even make it in the XFL. That It has to be better than that bar. And that's what we're never going to reach because the top quarterbacks, not even the elite ones, not even the, the starters, the backups and the practice squad guys, they're all under contract to where they're not gonna be playing here. I'd like to get to a point where you could see a partnership with the NFL in one of these leagues. I don't know who it would be, but until that happens, the top quarterbacks are not gonna be in getting reps in a league where they can actually get live reps not saying Jordan Love qualifies for this, but if you haven't seen your guy play, we saw this a little bit in NFL Europe, I'd like to get back to where the practice squad guys are at least playing in a league like this to get reps and have an opportunity to work into a rotation at the pro level. I
2: think the biggest problem with the XFL is demand. It's the timing of it that's the biggest issue. The USFL was very smart for, to me, the top reason was this. Wait over two months until after the Super Bowl start in the spring, start Easter weekend where there's not as much going on, and then go to 4th of July. I think that's a good window of time to launch a, a minor league, to launch a, a separate league that is spring football. The biggest issue I have with the XFL, I watched some of it. The production value of ESPN was really good. It was. The, the gameplay was fine. You know, it was. I think it was on par with USFL from what I saw from the games itself. The biggest issue is Americans are fat and happy off the Super Bowl, and they're thrilled with football, and they've had a lot of it since September and late August from the year before, and then the next week you're going to drop the XFL on a weekend where the Daytona 500 is happening and other things. I, I just think well, that's, I think that's the- not when people want a minor league football. They just saw the Super Bowl, and the next week they're seeing a minor league. USFL does a good job of driving up demand because we haven't had football for a little while. I would like to starts. know what's
1: on the TV if Tiger's not playing on Saturday. That, I think that's also a factor. Tiger, and, and he's playing at four under, by the way, on that round. He shot a 67, I believe, that day. Yeah, I mean, the ratings for that's that... That's what I was watching.
2: I was looking at Sunday. Right? The biggest the, the biggest game, I believe, was a Sunday game that XFL rated. That's when they got 1.5 million. USFL premiered on Saturday night last year, the night before Easter, was over three. So it was over double the audience for USFL. Now, keep in mind, that was simulcast on Fox and NBC. That's right. The USFL premiere over double the audience, but Genesis Invitational had a little over 2 million on Sunday. Um, Daytona 500 had over 8 million. We know the All-Star game, the worst ever, but was still over 4 million. That's almost... Four, four times the audience of the biggest XFL crowd they had in terms of viewing at any point over the weekend?
1: Well, again, I, I think it's watchable. It's not unwatchable football, but the recognizable names, you've got to be able to come across. And it can't be like, oh, here's this guy that is yet again playing bad, and we've seen this before. I, I just think, first off, we're going to find out if it's
2: too, too many in terms of minor leagues, because the USFL well, a year ago had the privilege of being the only one with and the no mod- XFL. And the model
1: of not traveling versus traveling, which the XFL is doing. Well,
2: and my biggest strength, I think, with the USFL, again, sort of goes away because yeah. you have over two months of no football at all, and then it dropped and people were excited about it, had a good rating the first night. Well, now it's just going to bleed right into each other. So what does opening out of the USFL look like uh, after two months of XFL? Does it matter? Is it watering down both products? We'll find out, but at least when you just compare debut to debut, kickoff event, mm-hmm. USFL more than doubled the
1: audience. Chad, Netflix, I've been watching the, the PGA Live Tour full swing eight-part series. I'm through episode two. There is, I'm
2: on episode eight right now, halfway through.
1: Okay, there's another uh, piece that's coming out on NFL quarterbacks as well, and it's Mahomes... Kirk Cousins and Marcus Mariota, they're following the the behind-the-scenes aspect of those three QBs.
2: Yeah, I think the name of it is NFL Quarterback is the name of the series. It's done by Omaha Productions, Peyton Manning's company, in, and it's also with NFL Films, so they're getting the NFL Films access also. Super interested to watch Mahomes. I'm interested to watch Kirk Cousins. I have no interest in Marcus Mariota. I do not understand how that was your best third option of a quarterback to follow. I mean, the one thing that's interesting about him is he quit the team when he got benched and claimed he had an injury that Arthur Smith said uh, he didn't have an injury the whole time. We, this well, is news to us about well, him stepping he, away from He said injury. it was a
1: chronic knee issue.
2: Right. I want to see that. So when we get to the episode where they're detailing him being told he's being benched and making the decision to leave for a chronic knee injury, that's interesting. So Outside what of done, that, Mariota's a very nice guy. There's not going to be much interesting about following him around with a camera, I don't think, Well, as opposed to Mahomes and Cousins. So they have
1: the three starting quarterbacks. What they've – going into it, I think what, what they've accomplished is they were following around a future Hall of Famer, a guy that's a very average quarterback in Kirk Cousins, and a guy that was a Heisman winner and a starter and a, a second quarterback selected in the NFL draft that year to a guy that's just trying to latch on and keep his starting career going as he kicks it off in Atlanta with his former offensive coordinator and Arthur Smith. So the storylines, you have three different levels levels of what the starter means across the league. And then from there, I think they always end up having something. You've got Mahomes, who feels slighted, and then it goes on this run where he's the MVP. You have Kirk Cousins that has a new head coach and... He's throwing to Justin Jefferson and they've got all this momentum because they're winning tight, close football games. And then Mariota, the storyline with him is exactly what you just laid out. I I watch these shows for personality. You know, some behind the scenes stuff is
2: good, but the guys have to have personality to bring it out and to be able to show some of it, or it's just very robotic. It's not about the level of quarterback to me. It's the fact that you could have picked 29 other NFL quarterbacks with a bigger personality than Marcus Mariota. No knock at Marcus Mariota. Great dude. He is not the guy I want to follow around a camera and show everything. Zach Wilson would have been interesting this year. Zach Wilson.
1: Daniel, with everything. I, who knows who they asked? Daniel, Daniel Jones. I mean, they could have. Jalen this could Hertz. have been the
2: last choice. But so many other guys I'd rather see. My favorite episode of Full Swing so far on Netflix is the episode with Joel Damon who most people don't even know. But the dude is hilarious. Known for his waste management actors. He's completely uh, at ease with being. He says, you know, someone's got to be the 70th ranked golfer in the world. Might as well be me. Just doesn't care about <laughs> winning. And it kind of follows him where everyone's like, dude, if you tried harder and put more into it, you could be a top 10, top 20 player. And he's just like, I'm fine being where I am. And, uh, you know, I like who I am. But that was interesting to me. That's the one I'm going to remember more than anything else on that. So you get Mahomes, you get Cousins, go find someone with more personality if you're Netflix. That, that would be my only complaint. Again, I may be completely surprised and Mariota turns out to be the most interesting part of the docuseries because of the ups and downs of the year and then him getting benched. But I'm not
1: willing to bet on that. Chad, um, Vance Joseph took the job as the defensive coordinator to Denver Broncos. He was interviewing around. He, he talked with the Eagles as well. And... He's now paired up with Sean Payton, and he goes back to the team where he was the head coach from 2017 and 18. He's back in Denver, and he's got a great defense in front of him. He'll be a head coach again because of that.
2: Yeah, and you know, returning to the team that fired him, I don't think it really matters because it's not the owner that fired him. It's new ownership now in Denver. So you can look – I mean, look, guys – guys uh, pledge allegiance to the flag that's flying over them in the moment i I just i I don't think that they're that tied up about i will never be a bronco again because the broncos fired me they would hate the coach that cut them or they might hate the owner that brought them into the room and fired them if they didn't like the way they were treated with them but if it's new ownership and new people involved especially with a chance to work with sean payton i don't think that it was much of a thought for vance joseph to go back and rejoin that organization because it's different ownership now instead of the ones that fired him. It's a great move by Sean Payton. I think it's a good move for Vance Joseph. He will be the head coach of the defense, and they've got a really good defense in Denver yep. with some really good pieces. So I, I'm with you, Hutton. This is a good chance for him to launch back into a possible head coaching job.
1: Yeah, and uh, one of the top defensive minds right there in, in Vance Joseph, and they were also looking at Fangio. Remember, he was, he was linked with Payton too. He ends up going to Miami. But Fangio is also a former head coach of the Denver Broncos. I mean,
2: everyone wants to work
1: with Sean Payton. Well, the veterans do. The veteran coaches do. Yeah, if you Rex look, Ryan, at, the look staff, at the
2: look at the other third finalists. Yeah. Rex Ryan, look who was he's guy interviewing, coming out of TV. To do
1: interviewing it. these guys versus who Jonathan Gannon and Shane Steichen are talking to. It's a vastly different group of candidates. Yeah, Jonathan to Gannon ended up hiring the Jim Bob Cooter. Yeah, for the for the Colts. Yeah. Oh. Right? Oh. So Steichen Steichen yeah, Jonathan, hired Jim Bob
2: Cooter. Gannon hired the 32-year-old Florida defensive coordinator, Florida Gators defensive coordinator. That's just a different level. <laughs> yeah. that, that's, I'm illustrating the level at which right. both
1: those guys are trying to fill out their staff compared to others. You don't want to be stuck in – and by the way, had you have a, if you had a young head coach in Denver, you still – if you're a defensive coordinator, you still want to coach that defense if the coordinator's not there and they're looking to hire someone based on the way they're built. Coming up, Armando Salguero will join us. We'll hit the NFL headlines with our OutKick senior NFL rider.
3: What's next on OutKick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Sixth and Peabody,
1: our location with Yeehaw beer and old smoky moonshine. Glad you're with us today. Pleased to be joined by Armando Salguero, Alkick.com senior NFL rider. Armando, good to see you. Hope things are well. We haven't chatted with you since Arizona. Been a while.
0: Yeah, uh, since I was sniffling all over everybody in Arizona. Yeah, it was great. It was a wonderful time. It's a uh, you know Na- postnasal drip.
2: The uh, <laughs> here's what I've learned about the Super Bowl, uh, Armando, and I know mm-hmm. you know this having been to more than me. It's a petri dish. Every year, especially when you're on Radio Row, you are in a windowless room for a week. And I think 80 to 90% of the people – Clay Travis is another one who came back completely ill for a week from the Super Bowl – comes back with some sort of uh, contagious disease when they go cover <laughs> the Super Bowl. That's, that's I'm guessing 90% of people.
0: Oh, no. There's no doubt about it. And to be very perfectly honest, I went to Arizona with stuff because, remember, I spent four weeks going back and forth to Buffalo and then another week going to Kansas City – and it's not warm there and i'm a warm person aside from my heart being warm <laughs> i like warm you know and so it was it was a challenge but i'm over it and we're
1: we're plowing ahead do you think we will learn something new about aaron rodgers and the packers within the next 2 weeks or is it just because the combine's going on we're going it'll be end of march before we get there because he's emerged from the darkness retreat and he told he told the media at the end of the season he didn't want this to be a long process. With that in mind, what's the timetable here? Because Carr's taking his time. Rogers could too, I guess.
0: I was told this week, and okay. so uh, the emergence from the retreat—I was going to say from the darkness—yes, uh, supposedly happened on Wednesday. So that kind of fell in line with with the timetable I was told. If he were to pivot to telling the Green Bay Packers where he's at. I don't know if he has, in fact, pivoted to doing that. And even if he does and has, uh, if the answer is anything other than um, I'm retiring, it's going to take some talking through because, first of all, we have to understand whether the Green Bay Packers want him back. You know, it's not just a one-sided situation. My my guess is that they will because he's still pretty good. But if they don't, then the talks have to involve where and with whom next. And so that can get a little involved and that could take longer.
1: Everyone's connecting the Jets. The Jets have been reported to have already contacted the Packers about this. And everyone's pointing to uh, Vegas, because of Devontae Adams, because of Josh McDaniels. But I'm intrigued from that storyline from this perspective. We know it's not going to be Derek Carr. He's the number two quarterback right now in the market. Number one would be Rodgers if he's traded. If it's not Rodgers or Carr, what does Josh McDaniels do with the expectations that are on him and that organization now to win and the fact that he's on his second coaching stint and it didn't go well a year ago? Yeah,
0: so Josh McDaniels, uh, his answer, since it's not Carr, and if it's not Aaron Rodgers, is one of two things. Number one, it would be Jimmy Garoppolo, with whom he, he is familiar from their time at New England. And the second option is,
1: ah!
0: Oh, no! <laughs> things are bad! So that's his second option.
1: So he's le- screwed, is what he's what yeah, Armando's saying.
2: Yeah, that's that, that was a uh, thanks for tra- <laughs> thanks for translating. That was that was terrific. Uh, LaShawn McCoy and his comments about Eric Bienemy. is this sour grapes from LaShawn McCoy or is this something that's really out there with players that have played under Eric Bieniemy? I know others stepped his defense, but that you know, McCoy essentially is arguing he has nothing to do with the passing game. It's all Andy Reid and that's the reason he wasn't getting a head coaching opportunity, but now he can go earn it with
0: the commanders. He definitely can go earn it with the commanders if they find a quarterback that is anywhere near as good as Patrick Mahomes. Good luck with that. Um, there is some truth to what McCoy is saying, but I don't think it's it's a, a thought or a feeling that is predominant out there. I don't think that – uh, any sort of large percentage of the players who have played for Eric the Enemy feel the <laughs> the dislike for the that McCoy feels. McCoy obviously had a bad experience in Kansas City. He was at the end of his career or close to it. They didn't use him a whole lot. They realized that he was at the end of his career or close to it. And you know, Shady is a he is a a flavor not often enjoyed by everyone, and so the enemy, who is a no BS kind of guy, no frills kind of guy, they didn't exactly hit it off. The enemy is a former running back, and he expects running backs to do certain things, and it didn't happen with Lashawn McCoy at the end of his career, and now Lashawn is lashing out. One thing I would say to you, um. The idea that Eric the enemy was not hired as an NFL head coach only because he was in the shadow of Andy Reid for all those years, only because he wasn't always calling the plays. Well, you know, Doug Peterson was in the same shadow, in the same situation, and was hired. Um, Nagy was in the same shadow, the same situation. And is in the same shadow and same situation again, and was hired by the Chicago Bears, and so that's not the only reason that Eric Bieniemy has, you know, interviewed with half the NFL and failed to get or land an NFL head coaching job with any of them.
1: I was talking with a former NFL head coach who's, who said just it was just an idea, but he was like, "What happened last year in Tampa?" he could see happening in Washington when new ownership takes over, whenever that is, sooner rather than later, where Rivera imp- puts B in that head coaching spot. He's already the assistant head coach. I was asking specifically about that title. And that would be an interesting situation where Rivera would move up in the organization to some role and we would see bien as head coach. I'm not saying that's exactly what's happening here, but... It is a scenario that could play out based on the structure that they're describing and what we saw with Arians, which was peculiar, but Arians was right there in the organization the entire season.
0: That's possible, I suppose. (laughs) Let me tell you what's more likely, okay? What's more likely is unless the Washington commanders, under this ownership or any other, find a quarterback that can be and show to be elite. The only way that Eric Bieniemy becomes a head coach is if he is the interim head coach in a season where the, you know, the Commanders are not doing well and Rivera gets fired before the end of the season and Bieniemy takes over. That's the more likely scenario barring an elite quarterback because barring an elite quarterback, that is a middling to below average team and there is no Great coaching by Eric bien or anybody else who's going to change that.
1: The staff that we are seeing Sean Payton put together in Denver, uh, Vance Joseph is now the defensive coordinator. He's back with the organization that he was the head coach for in 2017 and 18. They've just announced they're they're hiring Greg Minuski as their inside linebackers coach, for instance. There are a lot of veteran coaches that want to coach with Sean Payton with the opportunity of moving up the ranks as well. Uh, It's not the same that we're seeing with the young head coaches like Steichen and and like Jonathan Gannon in Arizona. Peyton's drawing attention by the guys who have been there and done that. They want to work with the veteran who's been there and done that. It gets intriguing because they're, specifically with the two guys I'm mentioning, Joseph and and even with Minuski at Inside Linebacker, they are stacked on defense and personnel. They're going to have success. And these are the names that we'll be hearing about in the next hiring cycle.
0: Right. and. Oh, by the way, uh, what does that say about the Arizona Cardinals? Because they saw Sean Payton and decided we don't want to give up, you know, multiple first round picks for Sean Payton or any first round. Well, you know, that was the price, man. Why why'd you interview him if that's you know You're right. <laughs> why are you wasting people's time? Uh part of that from owner uh Michael Bidwell is kind of a pushback to the idea that they have a quarterback that elite head coach candidates didn't want to coach right in Kyler Murray. So I think there's a little bit of that involved, but I have to tell you, there are people in the NFL who are just talent magnets. Okay. Tom Brady, when he went to, uh, Tampa Bay, what it what happened? Everybody wanted to play for Tampa Bay. All of a sudden, um, you know, Gronk comes out of retirement. Richard Sherman shows up. Uh, a bunch of other guys. You know, uh, it was it was one of those they they find a running back who was in free agency in in Fournette, and you know he he signs with the with the Bucks. It's the same thing with coaches. Guys see coaches that have done it, that have a reputation, that have uh, pelts on the wall, so to speak. Yep. And they're thinking, that guy can get me a ring. Let me go there. And you're going to see it with other assistants and you're going to see it with players as well if and when the Broncos decide to dip into free agency.
2: Armando, the Titans are one of those teams over the salary cap that need to get under the salary cap. Yesterday, they made some moves to get under that cap with Rand Carthon as their new GM. Taylor Lewan, Robert Woods, Zach Cunningham, Randy Bullock all cut. My question about Rand Carthon and this Titans team right now is with most teams in the league, we can specifically say, okay, this is the goal right now. They're either getting rid of a lot to try to rebuild or they're on their way up or they're in the last part of the window or whatever it is. I'm not sure I know what the Titans are right now and what Rand Carthon is going to try to do with this team. When you look at what they have and what they have to do right now, what spot are they in within that division especially?
0: Their window is closing Chad. Uh, I mean, it's pretty obvious that Look, they have a uh, they have a decision to make with Ryan Tannehill. My guess is the decision will be <laughs> with, uh, you know, Tom Brady's not coming. and probably Derek Carr is not coming. And you know, we got uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is probably going elsewhere. and plus he's not that much better, if at all better than Ryan Tannehill. So where are we? Uh, they have that decision, and my guess it will be that he will be with with the Titans at a different cap number, I hope, for their sake, but he will be with the Titans. And then what do you got? You got a team that four years ago in 2019 went to the AFC Championship game. Two years ago was the number one uh, seed in the AFC, but proved themselves incapable of, of advancing to the big game in the playoffs because their quarterback was not capable of helping them to get there. Uh, And their best offensive weapon is the running back who has taken countless hits. Granted, also, you know, dealt out countless hits, but those add up after a while. Is he going to get healthier, stronger, faster? Or is it going in the other way direct, uh, eventually? Um, so this is a roster that doesn't feel young, doesn't feel like it's, you know, trending upwards. Maybe Vrabel, who is one of the best coaches in the NFL right now, maybe he gets out of them stuff that they don't even know that they're capable of giving. And I don't think they're going to give. But, you know, they're in the AFC. And there's like six better teams with better quarterbacks than them, not in their division, but and maybe in their division now. Uh, but you know, it's it's not a an arrow up team in my estimation.
1: I think they're one of the more unpredictable teams of the entire offseason, both in free agency and the draft. I think there's a scenario where Tannehill's back and they draft a quarterback high. Um, similar to what Kansas City did with Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes. Um, trying to do both things, play for the here and now, and then build for the future. But we don't know. I think the only certainty is that they want Jeffrey Simmons under a massive contract moving forward. they got to have him back. Other, and, th- other than that, I don't know what could happen at any position here.
0: And, and also, what are we looking for? Because the Tennessee Titans are going to be fine in the regular season. They're going to be competitive. They're going to be good even. It's going to be fine. But if you're looking for championships, if you're looking for postseason, you know, rallies, I don't think that team is one of those that you expect that. No,
1: no, I'm with you. Absolutely. So another unpredictable team, not because of I mean, they're they're very solid They're They are consistent. The Baltimore Ravens. But we don't know about what's going on with Lamar Jackson, who's representing himself and has dug in on this contract negotiation now for more than a year. Armando, we're going to find out a lot, I think, based on the franchise tag that's going to be handed down. Non-exclusive or exclusive? Non-exclusive, a team could offer Lamar Jackson terms, and then if signed, the Baltimore Ravens get two first-round picks in return from said team. If they go with the exclusive tag, they're paying Lamar Jackson $45 million guaranteed next season. And it's a rinse and repeat. I'm curious which way you think they go on the tag.
0: Well, before I tell you, um, why aren't the Baltimore Ravens calling the Chicago Bears and saying, we'll give you Lamar Jackson for the first overall pick. And now we've got Bryce Young. Why aren't they doing that?
1: If... If you believe that you will get an offer sheet signed by another team for two first-round picks, I would go that route with the non-exclusive tag. And if you don't get it, you still have Lamar Jackson back playing as long as he's healthy. He's shown us that he's going to continue to play on guaranteed money year by year.
0: He's also shown us the last couple of years that he's now got durability problems because he's he's failed to finish both of the last two years when the team needed him most to make a playoff run. All I'm saying is that sometimes teams get locked into what they know and what they think they love without looking over the horizon a little bit. And I just would suggest to the Baltimore Ravens to look over the horizon because Lamar Jackson is not going to get cheaper and he's not going to get younger. And I know he's young and I know you know, right now he's relatively cheap. But if you, you have a certain thought about Bryce Young, then go get Bryce Young because now you have the wherewithal perhaps to do that. Maybe the Chicago Bears are in love with Justin Field and don't want to do that. But my guess is they would upgrade uh, to Lamar Jackson over Justin Field. Now, as far as the, the franchise tag, it has to be an exclusive tag. That's $45 million, isn't it? It's $45 million. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you're done for the offseason. It's over because it all plops down on your salary cap unless and until you sign Lamar Jackson to a long-term deal. It, it means no free agency. You're going to have to you know, trim some fat, some salary cap fat, to even draft and sign the draft picks. It's, it's it's a rough go of it if they really want to go that direction, but they might have to because, barring that, somebody might just step out.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it It sounds like they were going in that direction in the postseason presser that they held, where DaCosta and Harbaugh both dug in on the fact that they want him back. 200% chance he's back. I mean, the only way to do that is with that $45 million tag. That's the 200% guarantee. But, but we still don't know about Lamar Jackson. He doesn't speak about this, and he's representing himself, so who knows? By
0: the way, going back to the Chicago Bears, who yep. have the first overall pick, they also have $99 million in salary cap space. They can do anything that they want and some things that other teams want. They can, they can do anything. This offseason, this is the offseason that will define their next, I would say, five to seven years.
1: Atlanta's the other team I would watch out for with Lamar. If it's the non-exclusive tag, I think they would be aggressive only because we, they were aggressive with Deshaun Watson. So we know they were willing to pony up to a certain level, not the fully guaranteed deal, but a certain level of money. And there are only a handful of teams willing to do that. Atlanta and Chicago make sense based on the system that's in place, though. You're right. I'm I'm fascinated by it because I I think there could be movement there this year because Lamar Jackson's going to want it, not the not Baltimore. Hey, uh, that's fair. Combo uh, combine next week. Bryce Young. We know C.J. Stroud. I said earlier this week, Will Levis is going to look like a million dollars at the you know shorts and t-shirt competition. That is the NFL combine because no one's really concerned about his height, weight, or speed.
0: That's fair. But <laughs> unfortunately there's tape.
1: I I know. <laughs> uh, apparently Mel Kiper hasn't watched it.
2: He's just looking at his <laughs> biceps and he thinks, man, this guy's got what it takes to be an NFL quarterback. Arm. Yeah, like, that's man. all.
1: It's all it takes. Franchise guy. No doubt. Uh, Truth. True, yeah, go ahead.
0: No, true story. So one year when I was covering the Dolphins, Jimmy Johnson traded for Jim Druckenmiller and on his first pass of a practice, Jim Druckenmiller threw us no lie, a 70 yard pass on the money in stride 70 yards. And then they stopped practicing against air <laughs> and started practicing against real human beings. And, you know, it didn't look quite the same.
1: I know, but there are always, there's always that team that just falls in love with this athletic ability. Oh, I'm
2: seeing Anthony Richardson now as the number one overall pick. Also, <laughs> someone trading up to get him. I saw that as a story yesterday. So get ready, Armando. We'll see all the stories now come out of nowhere about
1: the quarterback that's going to rise. Armando will have them. Yep. Outkick.com. Always appreciate, Armando. Great conversation as usual. Thank you, gentlemen. Armando Salguero. Outkick is where you can find his work and just follow him on social by his name he's got it simple easy Armando Salguero Uh, coming up the Panthers have brought back one of their former coaches and Don Capers who's helping out the organization and man it's uh, hope he doesn't have social like Armando does like we do
2: hope he doesn't read his mentions
1: there's a hair piece if he does there's a hair piece that the responses have been brutal Uh, we'll also check out the responses to one of Clay's polls from earlier today on his social account this is Outkick360
0: Learn more at marines.com.
1: Bobby Carpenter talks college football and more with us in less than 10 minutes. Outkick 360 rolls on. Hutton and Withrow with you. Clay Travis put the poll up earlier today. Over 10,000 responses, votes. And here's the poll. Based on the undisputed fact that Brandon Miller transported a gun to the crime scene that was used to murder a woman in Tuscaloosa, Should Miller be playing for Alabama? 83% no, 17% yes. And that is now, uh, I'm
2: I'm looking at the most updated figure. There's 28,858 people who have now voted in this poll. Right around there, 82% and 18%. So it's clicked up 1% on yes, he should be playing, 82%. No, no,
1: no, he should not be playing.
2: Say no. Yeah, I, I think the difficulty people are having with this story is uh, everyone wants to go to the, you act like you know all the facts, but those in law enforcement that know the facts didn't charge him with a crime. There's two separate things here. Saying that he should be suspended is not the same as saying he should go to jail. they are two different things under the law. It's about what the university should have done and what the program should have done and not necessarily what law enforcement should do. And if you buy the lawyer statement wholeheartedly, I can understand someone saying, well, it's just a really bad circumstance and nothing should have happened. But people are suspended from teams or from work or kicked out of a off a team or fired from work for far, far less. Than what we're talking about here with for Brandon poor decisions. Miller. Yeah, this is a poor decision at best. Right to get the text and still show up when someone's asking for the gun to be back to them. And apparently, Alabama just now figured out uh, on Tuesday, according to what Greg Byrne said. So, well, that's what, so again, what, there's there's, for those there's different if you things. You don't here.
1: know all the facts. Guess who has admitted he didn't know all the facts?
2: Greg Byrne. Yeah. Like, again, there, we're, there's different things that we're talking about here. So. The way Clay worded it is right. People are like, that's too strong. No. Undisputed. No one is disputing, even Brandon Miller's attorney is not disputing, that the the murder weapon was in his vehicle, and he physically transported the murder, the murder weapon to the crime scene that was used to kill the young mother. That's what happened. Now, you can yep. take it as, oh, are you guys going to apologize because Brandon Miller's lawyer said that? No, because it doesn't change the facts of the case. You can choose to believe Brandon Miller's lawyer wholeheartedly. You can ask questions about his knowledge in it and believe whether or not that's, that statement is completely true or not. Again, I've never said the guy should go to jail or face charges. Right. And he i said won't. he should not have the privilege of playing basketball at Alabama, and he should not be a part of one shining moment after a young mother lost her life with a weapon that he transported to the crime scene. Pretty simple. Very black and white for me on this. As to what Alabama should have done, but instead they've done nothing. And Greg
1: Burns' comments, Hutton, really just cloud everything even more. Panthers, uh, former head coach Dom Capers, he's got quite the hairpiece. He's speaking to the media, and it's, it's caused quite the uh, this viral looks photoshopped. firestorm uh, with the, the piece that he's wearing, and some of the responses uh, have been outstanding. Uh, Nick Carp- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look at this thing. Dom Capers looks like the unmasked villain, saying, <laughs> "I was going to get away with it too, <laughs> if it wasn't for you meddling kids." It looks like uh, the the villain and Despicable Me
2: with the the hairstyle. Even who thinks this is good? Like if your hair's going white and, and he's, you're an he's older also been guy, like, compared just go to Carlos white.
1: Boozer, which is uh, a classic that's, look. That's by also Boozer. very good. Yeah, the comb down. Yes,
2: is what how I would describe this. The like painted on versus
1: down. glued on.
2: This is a bad look for Dom Capers. Look, you don't need to go jet black with your hair. Just just let it go white if you're an older gentleman. Just let it go
1: white. That's my advice. In a mirror, how can that look good? Don't know. But Dom says, you know what? Some
2: 30-year-old told me it looks
1: good. This. That's what happened. Makes me look big time. Some 30-year-old said, you look great. You look hot. Bobby um, Carpenter next with Outkick 360. Great here.